I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author and owner of FutureWise Consulting, Jen Curtis, MSW. Her new book is The Parent Compass, Navigating Your Teen's Wellness and Academic Journey in Today's Competitive World. Bragging rights and bumper stickers are some of the social forces fueling today's parenting behavior. And as a result, even well-intentioned parents are behaving badly. With college applications and career searches getting more competitive every year, kids across the country are over-programmed, packing their schedules with tutors and extracurricular activities, and exhaust themselves to be seen as the cream of the crop. And this year, while the COVID pandemic adds another layer of uncertainty, Jen Curtis offers her insights into the admissions process, college rankings, and what parents should really be doing to help their teens navigate the entire process. FutureWise Consulting is a college counseling and test prep company located in Irvine, California, and was nominated for Orange County Business Journal's Women in Business Awards in 2012 and 2015. Welcome to the show, Jen. Nice to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so happy to be here. Well, you know, to navigating your teen's uh, wellness and academic journey in today's competitive world has been difficult pre-COVID-19. Now we have layers and layers of other uh, issues that have to be navigated when you're considering your child going to college. Uh, it, it seems as a, I thought it was overwhelming as a parent when I did it for my three boys, and I say did it for them when I was involved in the whole process with them, but there's much more going on today. The competition is real. The competition is everybody wants to be the cream of the crop, but they're not. So where do we start? I mean, how, what, as you know, the, that's what your book is about. It sort of guides, does guide parents specifically into how they can navigate this whole process. Where do they begin? So, um, if I can give a little bit of history to the book, we, um, it, 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 it was spurred on um, a little bit by um, Operation Varsity Blues and how, you know, we had been noticing that parents um, were um, behaving poorly, um, you know, in, in our circles, not not quite as much as uh, what we were seeing play out in the national media. But um, we were seeing kids who were just burned out, who were unhappy, who had fractured relationships with their kids. I'm sorry, with um, with their parents, and um, but at the same time, we were seeing parents who had um, positive behaviors, um, and and likewise, their kids seemed to be happy and um, and um, had had positive relationships, and so um, we wanted to create uh, the parent compass as a way to help parents see those poor behaviors. Um, and also develop some better, um, more pro-social behaviors that would contribute to their um, children's well-being. And so I would say that it, it does begin with, um, with how we are um, treating our children and how we are approaching parenting um, and, and how we are helping them to develop resilience and grit along the way in the context of all of this academic, uh, whatever you, <laughs> craziness, I guess I would call it, right? This whole admissions exactly. process. Yeah. 
So exactly. what is, yeah, what is the, let's start maybe with like, what is the environment right now? I mean, I know I have a friend's uh, daughter applying to college, first starts out with looking at 32 different, not physically, mm-hmm. in, institutions, and then actually applying to 12 different colleges. Uh, you know, it, it seems, start. I mean, that's just one example, but w- what is the environment? Um. So in terms of the number of schools, the, the competition of it? Yeah, the competition, exactly. Yeah. So um, so we have, I have been noticing, you know, that college, that the environment around college admissions has seemed to be getting more and more competitive each and every year. And, you know, you, you mentioned the number of schools on a student's list. And um, I have seen that rise um, year to year. Um, and now, especially in this year that is so uncertain and people are not quite sure how this is all going to shake out, um, lists are, are increasing more and more. Um, and I think students and their families are, um, are, are on one hand scared about um, what's going to happen in the future. And I think on the other hand, you know, there are a lot of families that are really reevaluating um, the four-year college experience. So how reevaluating it in terms of what, not going to college for four years or in going to value, community? Exactly. Yeah. In terms of maybe looking at a trade or um, maybe going to community college for a couple of years and saving actually a great deal of money and then transferring to a school um, that of their choosing. So, uh, some of these colleges, and I was really, I guess I was shocked because I haven't really looked at it in a few years, but I mean, some of the private universities and uh, small colleges cost $75,000 a year. That's without any kind of student aid, obviously, but 75,000. Yeah. Uh, Which seems really far out in terms of it. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I actually really do encourage families to do um, is expand their college list when they're um, when they're creating it, and really think about um, you know not just sticking those name brand schools on there because for a lot of the name brand schools you're going to be paying that that sticker price you know that school is um, is a difficult you know kind of we call it a reach school um, you know you might be paying full sticker price but I think when families can start to um, you know really think about the right fit for their students, um, the, the, the campuses that have the qualities um, really that are going to allow that particular student to thrive, um, they can start to um, apply to other schools that might be giving their kids um, some really great merit aid. Um, and those schools are not typically going to be those reach schools, but those are going to be the targets and the safeties. And I think when families can pull away from concentrating too much on the name brand schools, um, they can really open up some um, really fantastic opportunities to make schools, um, really great schools, um, make them more affordable. So we're talking about an attitude change for parents. So how can parents prepare themselves mentally for that? Because I think all of this starts even way freshman year in high school, ninth grade, let's say even eighth grade, you know, you have to get ready. You have to, you have to be in the right sport. You have to do something unique. You have to uh, find the cure for cancer. You have to do whatever, travel abroad, whatever. So it starts very early. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, junior year, okay, then you're taking your tests and, and being evaluated. But how do you, how, I guess I'm going back to that question, how, do, how should parents prepare themselves mentally for maybe that's not really the right direction to, to, to go in and to create this, this uh, sometimes, as you say in the book, I mean, you, you can cause serious damage in the relationship between you and your kid if, if, you're, uh, if your goal is one thing and your child is something else and you're pushing them into something they probably shouldn't be pushed into. I don't know. Is that three questions or? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think, first of all, um, we actually start out the parent compass by encouraging parents to take a real hard look at who they are, to evaluate how they were brought up, um, how academics were treated in their home. Uh, Maybe they were a great student and and maybe that's why they're pushing their kid to be, um, you know, the, the students that they not necessarily are. Or maybe they were not a great student and they they feel that their kid needs to make up for that. Um, And so we really ask parents um, and we give um, some questionnaires for them to complete so that they they can challenge themselves. They can challenge their partner or their partner can challenge them um, if they have a partner um, and, and really think through why they have the biases and why they have um, perhaps some skewed priorities um, as they are, you know, starting to navigate this um, experience. And we, we call it kind of that ancient proverb, physician heal thyself. So before you can um, guide your child, you need to um, really be in a good place yourself. And we felt that that was, um, we wanted to set the tone of the book with that. Um, and so beyond that, I think Parents need to um, really em- embrace the child that they have. So once they can start to um, understand why they're parenting the way that they are, um, they need to be able to accept and embrace the child they have. And, and what what we see when we're when we're observing these poor parenting behaviors, and as we saw play out in Operation Varsity Blues. Um, was these parents that were pushing, pushing, pushing because they wanted to kind of inauthentically create um, a child that they did not have, but they weren't appreciating the child that was right there in front of them. Um, and, and, and in that way, they were, they were just missing out on um, truly helping that child to grow. Um, they were wanting to help a different kind of a child grow. So I think acceptance um, is a big um, a, a big piece in this puzzle as well. Yeah. So know yeah know know thyself before you start engaging in exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah, and that, that's really critical. I haven't actually heard anyone say it in that way, and I, I think that's an excellent, uh, really an excellent point. So um, we call them, or you call them, I guess, misbehaving parents. Um, Give us some spe- some specific examples of what parents can do now. I mean, that is the overall. You want your child to be something they're not, so you're missing the good stuff that the child that your child has, and that gets sure. you know said by the by. So, give us some of the maybe the most blatant examples of of parents misbehaving and, and really doing the wrong thing for themselves and for their their child. Yeah. So. Um, one one that stands out and actually is is a story that um, begins the parent compass. 
Um, and I remember sitting uh, in my office several years ago when a family came in and um, this, this, I, 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 you know, the mom had been talking for quite some time and blabbing on about um, her, her older daughter and, you know, comparing this young girl that was in my office to the older daughter. And um, really the girl had not gotten one word in edgewise yet. We were there to chat with the girl about what were her interests and what, what did she like and what were her goals for herself. And so um, I turned to the young girl and I said, um, so, you know, can you just tell me what, what do you like to do? And she looked like she was going to vomit. She couldn't, she literally couldn't talk to me. She, she kind of sat there squirming on her seat and she looked at her mom after um, what seemed like a full minute and she just pleaded, mom, you know, and, and I realized at that moment that this girl had never spoken for herself. Her mom had been doing the speaking for her um, for so long, she couldn't answer a simple question asking her what she liked to do in her free time. Um, you know, I, I've had I've had so many different stories. Um, I've had parents who have um, either blatantly written or rewritten their kids' essays and tried to pass them off as um, being written by a kid and. Um, you know, obviously that is absolutely not okay. Um, do they get I was going to stop you. Do they get away with that? I mean, that would obviously oh, be one no. of those discussions of past uh, parents oh, who yes. are crossing it's an the uncomfortable line. Yeah. Discussion and, and yeah. yeah, you have to. You know, this isn't okay. I, you know, um, not long ago I had another parent who um, the student had written what I felt was a, a great essay that really captured um, that student's interest. And um, apparently the parent felt that it wasn't good enough and hired some sort of extra essay tutor. And um, that tutor fully took the student's voice out of the essay. And it was really sad. And I had to um, confront the kid and confront the parent. And, you know, they were, they were embarrassed and they were angry in that embarrassment. But, um, but no, that's never okay. Um, and, and quite honestly, as I kind of alluded to, when when parents and adults are rewriting these kids' um, really unique and interesting thoughts and perspectives, they fully take those kids' voices away, and 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 you can't even you can't see um, that sort of vibrance anymore. Unfortunately, um, I've also had you know parents texting me at four o'clock in the morning. Um, about, you know, silly stuff, um, but they're freaking out about it. Um, I've had, um, you know, uh, oh, well, parents who, who come in and they're resolute that the, the top 10 schools on some ranking list are the only schools that their kid can apply to. And, um, you know, they, they kind of refuse to look at um, the best fit schools for, the, for their kids. One of the things you say is for parents, uh, which I think is really uh, is is key, is the parents uh, teach you teach parents, and they can learn this from from reading your book, but uh, not to be fixers, but instead to be listeners. It's really hard for mm-hmm. parents to do that, even not in this context, but in many contexts, just to mm-hmm. not try to be fi- not try to be a fixer, but be a listener, because parents see this the stakes are so high. 
or and, and so they they need to, to to fix whatever is wrong in this situation, right? I mean, um, how do you teach them to do that? Yeah, so so um, I will say, you know, in writing this um, book, you know, well, first we're very upfront that that my co-author and I are, are not perfect parents by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but but in writing this book, you know, I think um, it's also really helped me evaluate my own parenting. And um, as we were literally going through the churning process, um, I would catch myself, my daughter would come home with a problem that she had at school and boom, I'd catch myself, well, you should have done this. We are going to do that, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and I really, so it was almost um, a, a wonderful experience for me because I, I really had to um, practice what I preached and um, it really made me reevaluate how I responded to her um, and so I think as parents, we do tend to, well, you should do this and you should do this. And did you think about this? And let's get on the phone with this person. Um, and instead what we, what we're trying to help parents understand is that when we sit back and we're silent and we just listen, um, that's when our kids tend to tell us more. And you probably know that from, um, from your background, you know, it's a, it's a therapeutic technique as well. When we sit there in silence, the other person has the freedom um, and, and, um, and wants to um, offer more conversation and that, and that elicits um, more dialogue and perhaps more interesting dialogue. And so um, we talk about um, first listening instead of jumping to fix. Um, and then second, we also um, talk about the good kinds of questions to ask, um, questions that do elicit more dialogue. And I think over time, it's, it's a practiced art, right? Like we can't overnight um, not fix. <laughs> um, but I yeah. think over time when our kids see us sitting back as a practice and listening to what they have to say, um, over time, they're going to get more and more used to coming to us um, and talking through their problems. Um, and so, I, so I do think that it's some, go ahead. No, I think that's true. And I, I think, you know, and as you say, when, uh, when I was doing counseling or, or therapy with uh, clients, that was a, that's very true. I think it, as a mother of three boys who are grown up now, all who have been to college and graduate school, but even when they're very, very young, uh, you know, when little, when they come to you, can you fix this? Can you do this? At some point, you know, and it evolves, it's like I, I used to say to them, well, I, I can, I know how to do it, but you, I want you to know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I've done that. I've been there. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that that starts when they're very young or it can start when they're very young. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and I think it's important, so I think along the same lines as that, um, is teaching our kids to self-advocate when they are very young. And I think parents can do that um, in a variety of ways. Even, you know, when um, when my kids were young, for for my part, uh, you know, I, was, I tried, <laughs> I wasn't always perfect at it, but I tried to do the same thing, um, you know, that you're talking about. Um, and when we would go to restaurants, for example, um, you know, my kids knew from an early age that I was not going to order for them. I wasn't going to ask for their water cup. 
I wasn't going to um, ask for their coloring page. And so they got comfortable um, even in just that way, talking to um, the hostess and, and advocating for themselves so they can have a, a coloring sheet. Um, and then as time as time goes on, they, they become more comfortable with going to the doctor's office and telling the doctor what hurts. Um, and, and I think that translates to then advocating for themselves in the classroom um, when, you know, they don't understand something. If they already are feeling comfortable um, in situations where they have had to advocate for themselves and um, talk to adults, um, they are going to be more active um, in their learning. Yeah, I think this has gone uh, by the by, unfortunately. I see parents uh, who are much mm-hmm. more, you know, don't want their teenagers to, as you say, self-advocate. Uh, and they, they are, I mean, and I'll, I'll go back to my own kids in school, in high school, you know, if they didn't get into, I don't know, group A, B, C, or D, or whatever it was, you would have parents running, to, you know, they, they didn't get the exact right teacher, or, you know, they were constantly a- advocating for their teens rather than letting them have the experience of maybe being in a group and uh, having to be resilient. Maybe it wasn't the perfect group for them. I mean, you can go on and on, but this all really carries into exactly what you're talking about with college. I mean, and uh, it's just this over-involvement and, and it does set up and maybe you could, we only have a few minutes left, but a relationship or relationships between the, the, the kids and their parents, uh, they can't wait to get out of there because it's been such a horrific experience on both sides. Right. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, I, um, I always go back to one thing that one of my students told me years ago, um, she was just, um, she was that, that kid that you just, you just loved, you know, you, you respected her for how hard she worked. Um, she, she just had a great head on her shoulders. And, and I will say, um, being in my profession, I, I really do pay attention to the kids that seem to be thriving. And I ask them over the years, I, I straight up ask them, what, what did your parents do? <laughs> you know, and this is, this is when my kids were really, really young, or even before I had kids, um, I, I wanted to learn. And um, I remember this one girl in particular, I asked her, um, you know, what was it? What, what, you know, obviously she, she has, um, worked hard in her own right, but, but clearly her parents had also done something right. And without skipping a beat, she looked at me and she said, you know, my parents made me do hard things. And that has always stuck with me. And it's always kind of guided, um, my parenting with my own kids, um, and, and how I, um, see myself, um, uh, guiding these kids that I work with through the college experience, um, and, and trying to convince them to, to step out there, to take initiative, um, and to do hard things. Well, I think now, and it brings us right up to COVID-19, because I think there's an extra burden or an extra, ch- not a burden, an extra challenge for these parents and these kids to be able to navigate this whole process in the, in the uh, context of COVID-19. So you talk about, you know, resilience and, and, and not being able to perhaps go to school in person and being at home half the time and all of, you know, it's really a whole added layer to everything you've been talking about in the book. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, lots of challenges ahead. I, I don't know how we're, I don't, do you have an answer for that in two minutes? Like what, what yeah. to do? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll try. I'll do my best. 
Okay. So I, one of the things during COVID-19 um, that I've been trying to encourage um, students and parents to be um, thinking about is to, um, there's so much right now, obviously, that is, that is completely out of our control in every realm of our life. Um, and um, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to encourage um, students and families because there's so much out of their control in the college admission process in particular with, um, you know, very little testing going on and activities canceled all over the place um, to really just focus on those things that they can do and, and not dwell on the things that they can't do because there are a plethora of them that they can't do. Um, And so really um, trying to, um, you know, explore things um, for, you know, go back to learning for learning's sake, explore things, um, because they find them interesting. Um, and then and I have um, to cut you off. I, I hate to cut you off okay. 30 seconds sure, left, but that's really sure. focus on what you can do, not on what you can't do. I think that's really a good, uh, a good piece to leave everyone with, because I think that's really it. I mean, I, I give us a website we can go to the parent compass so we can get your book and, um, learn more about what you're doing. Yep. So our website is um, www.parentcompassbook.com. And you can also find us on Instagram uh, at Parent Compass and on Facebook at The Parent Compass. Great. Jen, thanks so much for being on the show. Jen Curtis, author of The Thank Parent Compass. Thank you for Compass. having me. Yeah. Great talking to you. you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm.